The A's have signed another veteran in Jesus Aguilar. Where does he fit? Why is he on the team? Let's get into it, you guys. You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 522 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, the A's signed Jesus Aguilar, a first baseman. Why? Um, This is an intriguing move. We're going to get into it. I don't know necessarily where he fits or why they're doing it, but sure, I guess... Uh, let, let's discuss. And then at the very end, we're going to have some words about uh, the A's, the, the, the loss of the captain for the A's, Sal Bando. Um, just some nice things. I, I never got to see him play. So in reading about him and all that stuff, just wanted to share some stuff for, uh, for newer fans who didn't get to watch him play and uh, try and make that connection for you guys. So that's what we got coming up for you guys today. But before we get into anything, we have a brand new sponsor and this episode is being brought to you by them. And that, that sponsor is FanDuel, the sports book, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get today, to get started. Nailed it. What a what a great way to start off a new partnership with a new sponsor is to just fumble your way through the title sponsor ad read. Great job, Jason. Anyways, uh, make sure to follow the podcast wherever you like to hear shit. Podcast. Uh, we're at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. Check out Inside the A's for more A's news, insight, and analysis. I have an, an, an article over there about Jordan Diaz and why I think he could have a good season. Uh, maybe even a breakout season in 2023. Uh, And it's something that he did in Winter League. So go check that out. Uh, Also, uh, if you're on YouTube right now, make sure to subscribe to the channel. That's how the channel grows, is by you hitting subscribe. So do that. Also, comment and like below. That's how the algorithm over there at at the YouTube uh, finds other people like you guys. So do that. If you like this show and other people would like this show, comment down below. Uh, Do whatever you want. I've been saying... So good at baseball, so handsome. You could go with, wow, this is the best podcast that I've ever seen. How does he do it? Or, you know, whatever you want. Have fun in the comment section. That's really the thing. Uh, But be nice. That's all. Uh, All right, let's talk Jesus Aguilar. He is going to be 33 years old in in the 2023 season. Uh, He is a right-handed bat. He's a veteran guy. You might know him from his time with the Brewers or his time with... At Tampa Bay, he was there for like a minute. Or his time with uh, the Marlins, he was also with the Orioles for a minute last season. But uh, those are the two places that you probably know him from, the Marlins or the Brewers. That's where I've seen him. Uh, he For his career, he also played uh, with Cleveland for a few years, and that didn't stick either. Anyways, uh, for his career, he's a 254 hitter with a 324 on base. He has a 106 OPS plus in his career, so that, those are good. But last season, he hit 235 with a 281 on base. Sounds like a lot of ace hitters on last year's team, so welcome. welcome. Also, he had an 86 OPS plus, so there's that. He played in 129 games. He had 16 home runs last year. Uh, his strikeout rate went up 5%, up to 23.5%, so eh, 
it's not like the worst. I mean, for a first baseman who has some pop, not not bad, obviously. Uh, Dermis Garcia, who was probably slated to play a little bit of first base, uh, he was striking out 44% of the time. So yeah, 20, that's... That's an upgrade. That's not bad. Uh, his walk rate also went down last year, though, uh, down 3.5% to 5.5%, so it was at 9. Um, so, weird weird tra trajectories on that. Um, he's still 33. You guys are probably hoping or banking on a bounce back. Um, the deal is apparently going to be for $3.5 million. Three? I don't know. It was Bob Nightingale. It was either 3 or $3.5 million. Um and so there's there's that. The deal's not official. It's pending a physical, which used to just be something that you would tack on to the end of a tweet. is a uh, pending physical. And now I'm like, is he going to pass? We should broadcast these. Uh, that would be an invasion of privacy. Don't do that. But we should definitely broadcast these. Uh, maybe for MLB's only fans. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't do it, but they are money hungry enough that they might do it. Uh, let's keep talking about Jesus Aguilar and not about his physical, just about him in general and how he fits. Uh, he's been a league average defender by, uh, DRS and, uh, outs above average. So there's that, uh, he's, he's fine at first base. So that's probably where he fits there or DH. He split time between first base and DH in 2022. So there's sure, I guess, but the A's have a lot of first base candidates like Derbys Garcia. And uh, who's also a right-handed batter. You got uh, Ryan Noda, the Rule 5 pick, who's a left-hander. Uh, you also have Seth Brown, who played a lot of first base for the A's last year. Uh, that's a lot of guys. Is he going to be a platoon guy? Jesus Aguilar, at this stage in his career, could be a platoon guy. He's a good clubhouse guy, obviously. Um, he, he just likes to have fun. I believe that he's, like, stolen notes out of guy, the back of guys' pockets. Uh, like the... The signs and stuff, that's hilarious. And I think that he would fit very, very well with the A's and uh, establish a good clubhouse culture on this team because there's a lot of young guys and a guy like Jesus Aguilar could be a lot of fun uh, and bring some excitement to the A's. So I like the signing from that aspect. Where he fits, big question mark. Uh, especially if you want to want to platoon him because versus lefties, he's a righty. Remember this versus lefties. You hit 196 with a, I'm going to say 57 WRC plus that's either a three or a five. I'm going to say it's a five, uh, because my handwriting is awful. Um, he also against righties hit 247. So that's 50 points higher. That's not bad. And had a 96 WRC plus. So still below league average, but much closer. And really the A's are trying to get to league average this year. That's the goal seemingly is just get a bunch of guys that are roughly league average and then see what happens. Maybe there'll be a roughly league average team that can be maybe five. They're not going to be 500, but maybe it's 75 wins. That doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility with how the A's have been constructing everything. But I mean, a 196 batting average is probably not going to do it. That's that's approaching Christian Pache uh, 166 territory right there. And uh, the A's are paying this guy millions of dollars. So they got to be banking on something better than that, you would assume. Um, also against lefties in 2021, he hit 259 with a 114 WRC+. So he's hit lefties plenty good in the past. It was just a weird, hopefully, uh, weird 2022 season. He hit 261 with a 109 WRC+, against righties in 2021. So he's you don't necessarily need to platoon him, but with all of the options that the A's have, maybe that's where they're going with this. Um, they could have also looked at 
the increase in the number of shifts that he was seeing in 2022 and saying, hey, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to be shifted in 2023. Maybe this is something that uh, we, we could, you know, uh, capitalize on a bounce back because there's no shift. That could be a thought process. Um, and the numbers between him being shifted and not being shifted were not terribly dissimilar. Um, I think his uh, WOBA was 290 when he was not getting shifted and like 281 when he was. So not a huge difference, but mentally it could have messed with him a little bit because he was getting shifted twice as much as he was the previous season. Uh, he got shifted almost a quarter, a little bit more than a quarter of the time overall, 27.7% of the time in 2022. And uh, if you're seeing double the amount of shifts out of nowhere, that's probably got to mess with you a little bit mentally. So maybe that had an impact on the way that a season went. He maybe got off to a slow start. Uh, he wasn't hitting the ball as well as he wanted to. He was struggling a little bit against breaking balls, especially against lefties last year. So that'll be something to keep an eye on during spring training to see if he's back or if he's going to be bouncing back and doing all that and probably going to be a trade candidate at the trade deadline. So uh, something to keep an eye on early on in spring training for sure. Um, but that that could be something that the A's are looking for is, is, is having no shift available for the defense going to help him be better on offense. I guess that that's, that's, what I'm saying there, yes. Uh, but we're going to talk about where he fits onto this roster and uh, who might be on the way out because the A's have a full roster right now, well, plus one, so they're going to have to make room for him somehow. So that's what we got coming up for you guys. Stay locked in, you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, just the way that I said FanDuel, I don't know where that came from, but if you're new to FanDuel, uh, then that's even better because they have so many features that can make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started for one with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel dot com slash locked on FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props plus you can even combine your bets for a chance for a bigger payout uh, with a same game parlay um, I was looking at hey are the A's going to win a bunch of games this year they don't have the game by game stuff yet but they are the, the, the longest shot to win the World Series so if you think the A's could win the World Series go ahead and go make a lot, like $25,000 for a $100 bet. They got some odds, let me tell you. And they're even better. I mean, they're similar for the AL West. So go check out FanDuel and see if you want to place a bet over there um, for, you know, in a state that allows you to use the sports book, obviously. And all on an app. This is all stuff that you can do on the app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. Check out Inside the A's for more A's news, insight, and analysis. And you can read up on why Jordan Diaz is going to have one heck of a season 
over at Inside the A's. Follow Inside the A's on Twitter and on Facebook, so you at, just at Inside the A's, so you never miss an article over there. And let's real quick plug what's coming up the rest of this week. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm talking to Locked On Angels host, uh, one of the freshest, uh, I think it's John. I think I'm talking to John. Maybe Mike. I don't know. I'm talking to one of those guys uh, about just, we were just going to check in and see how everybody was doing. And then all of a sudden, Artie Moreno, bombshell. So we're definitely talking about Artie Moreno uh, making it much easier to be an Ace fan. <laughs> so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then, and also, we want to talk about the Royal Rumble. So that's really why we were going to talk, is we wanted to give our give our takes on the Royal Rumble because we're like, yeah, it's the, it's the middle of the offseason. Why not? Royal Rumble stuff. That's this weekend. And then on Thursday, I'm talking to Cole Irvin, three years on the team, third year on the podcast. Cole Irvin wanted to come by and, you know, spit some knowledge. And I said, sure, I can make that happen. So Cole Irvin, he's going to be on the show on Thursday. And then on Friday, uh, I'm going to be talking to, to Matt Neverett, he is, uh, he, he does work with the aviators over in Las Vegas. So we're going to be talking about prospects and just uh, Las Vegas in general and how the A's may or may not fit in Vegas. Uh, I actually do not know the answer from his standpoint to that question. So that's what we got coming up for you guys later this week. So again, subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to hear podcasts. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about Jesus Aguilar and where he fits, how he fits, what he's doing here. Uh, we've alluded to it a little bit, but I mean, he's he's a first base guy. He's a first base man, even. <laughs> uh, he could also be a DH, but I, do you really? Maybe, I guess, I don't know. But the A's could platoon him with uh, either Seth Brown or Ryan Noda at first base. That would make sense. Uh, personally, I think that Seth Brown is better suited defensively in left field, and that is where I have been placing him in my own little roster construction. Uh, and this would seem to indicate that, yes, Seth Brown will be playing more outfield um, unless Ryan Note is not around, which is weird. Um, so you, you got to really bet on the rebound here from from uh, Jesus Aguilar because it, th those splits... For, it to ha for him to be able to be a platoon partner, those splits need to rebound. He can't be having a 57 WRC plus while you're paying him $3 million. That doesn't make any sense. So, and also, Ryan Noda is here. Seth Brown is around. Dermis Garcia is around. Again, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Dermis Garcia is going to be starting the, the, the season in AAA because of that strikeout rate. They want to make sure that he can make a little bit more contact before he's brought back up to the major leagues. That makes sense. So... He's like in the background, but he's floating there and he's got some talents. I would like to see more of him, uh, please. But so I think that Jesus Aguilar is there to do a little bit of that work right there and build some of that clubhouse culture so that when Dermis Garcia gets brought back up or Ryan Nota takes over the position, there's that. Um, he, I mean, we could also have Jesus Aguilar be the DH, but then what happens with Dermis Garcia, who could also be a DH? That's a question. Again, I, I put him with the aviators in Las Vegas. We'll see. But what happens with Jordan Diaz? Is Jordan Diaz going to be playing second base now? Cause he didn't look great over there. And Jordan Diaz seems like he would make the most sense as a DH. I mean, the A's have young guys at all of the positions right now. Uh, it either currently at those positions or like Tyler Sodom coming up uh, over at, over at first base, you got Zach Galoff at second or third. Uh, you got uh, Brett Harris over at third. You got so many guys playing all these positions. Jordan, just let him play DH. It's fine, whatever. I, do it. 
but he also has only played like 26 games at AAA. So it would kind of make sense for him to get a little bit more time at AAA, but I guess, I, I guess you, you wait until the trade deadline, bring him back up, and then he gets another shot at it. I, weird. Uh, and also, if Jordan Diaz is on the team somehow, <laughs> which probably isn't uh, in the cards at this moment, uh, then what do you do with Aledmus Diaz? Because he was going to be on my team at second base, him and Tony Kemp. And what do you do with those guys then? I don't know. So very strange roster construction where the A's are just bringing more more and more veterans and uh, like, hey, Rooks, how about we, we give it a sec? This actually could be a way for them. It's not quite uh, service time manipulation, but it kind of is where they're, they're just like, oh, look at all, we have all these other guys now. We can't play these young kids. No, we can't do that. That's silly. Uh, we have all these all these veterans all of a sudden. Uh, didn't stop them from uh, getting rid of Elvis Andres last year. Just saying. Uh, it's, it's just weird. And it seems like they might be trying to pump the brakes a little bit because some of their guys, just to get everybody's timeline uh, you know, figured out so that they're all hitting free agency roughly at the same time. It seems like what could be happening right here. So that's what I think is, is going on. Let Dermis Garcia and Jordan Diaz just have a little bit more time in AAA and delay their service time so that they'll be free agents closer to when Tyler Soderstrom is going to be a free agent and Zach Gallup. And then we can do this all again then. Uh, but it is, that, I mean, that that's just speculation off the top of my head, but it is Ryan Noda just kind of there as like, it, it is Aguilar there if Ryan Noda does not impress during spring training. Is, is that what the plan is now? Because I liked Ryan Noda. He's really good at getting on base. He might not have, like, elite power, but he's got some pop. I'd be okay with that. He plays good defense. He'd be solid. He's younger. He's cheaper. Why not Why not play him? I don't know. Um, I don't know that both these guys can be on the, on, on the same team. Because that's a lot of first base options. And first base is not a not one of those places where you're like, yeah, we need everybody. We need five guys that can play first base. That's not how you'd build a roster generally. So um, I, I'm intrigued here. So he might be insurance. He might just be there like, hey, we're going to bring you in. We'll pay you $3 billion. If you make the team, that's great. But let's build up this clubhouse culture. we got a bunch of young guys uh, in spring training. And maybe, that, maybe that's what's going on here. I don't know. But the A's are also at 41 roster spots uh, once they, they have 40 got 41 guys on their roster. And that's a that's a lot. Um, that's one more than you should have, actually. Uh, so once this deal is official, the A's will need to make a move. And if you're looking at position players, you can go with one guy in the outfield, one guy in the infield. And the, the, not the bottom guy, because that just sounds derogatory. But uh, the guy that would most be most likely to be cut in both the infield and the outfield is either Brent Rooker in the outfield. Uh, he was brought in very early on in the offseason. And uh, he's he's probably towards the bottom of the roster, I would say. He's probably like somewhere in that 35 to 40 range. Uh, or Jonah Bride, who I like a lot. He's a friend of the show. But I don't know where he fits on this roster except for like a fill-in guy. Um, and he wasn't great at the major league level, but he has shown that he can be great when, giving play when, when he's been given playing time. And I don't know that uh, they're going to do that. So uh, one of those guys probably, or one of the reliever. I, I don't know who else they can get rid of They're They have so much pitching right now that sure, I guess. But anyways, that is, uh, that's where Jesus Aguilar fits is somewhere 
Um, probably first base, but is he? I, there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I think that once the A's make their move uh, by DFAing somebody or trading somebody, um, then then I think that it will we'll get some more clarity here. It all, I mean, they could also DFA like Cal Stevenson or something like that because he might stick around. I don't know. They saw something in Brett Rooker at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the offseason, that they wanted him immediately, and they got him. So we'll see. Uh, but coming up, we're going to be saying some kind words and just saying some nice things about uh, just just some stuff. Just just some stuff about Style Bando. Because um, I, I think that it's important that we acknowledge the past. Um, even if, you know, we're, there's newer fans, there's not newer fans. There's guys that watch them play live. Um, but I think that it's important. So we're going to talk about Style Bando for just a minute. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. Thank you again for making Locked On A's your first lesson of the day. For your second lesson, go check out Locked On MLB Prospects because Lindsey Crosby is just fantastic at doing all of the prospect news and analysis. Uh, he, he's a good time. So go check out Locked On MLB Prospects for your second lesson. But let's talk a little bit about the passing of Sal Bando. He was the captain of the A's teams that won the World Series from 72 to 74. And that's what a, a lot of people know him for. But uh, he... he you know, over the weekend, he passed away at the age of 78 after a five-year battle with cancer. And there's a lot, like, I was uh, born in 85, so I did not get to see him play live. Uh, I think his playing career might have been over by the time I was born. So uh, I, I did not get to see him play, but I, I've heard the name, and I know, like, the, the reverence that people would talk about him with. Uh, and... I, that was always intriguing. So he, he, when he passed away, I was like, oh, let's do some research into like the, the man that was. And I did not know that uh, he, I mean, I, I knew that he went to the Brewers, but I didn't know that he was their GM for almost a decade uh, in the 90s. Did not know that. I thought that that was really, really cool. Um, they, they weren't good, but that doesn't matter. He, he was still a GM. That's amazing. Um, but really, newer fans don't really know Sal Bando. And Again, I never saw him play, but he, he sounds like the kind of guy that I think a lot of us would have rooted for uh, as an Oakland A and just a, a baseball player in general. Uh, I, I read somewhere that he was the, the best player in baseball, according to War, from 1969 to 1973. Better than Johnny Bench, better than Pete Rose, better than Reggie Jackson, better than... Uh, I think, who was the other one? Joe Morgan, I think, was the other one that was listed in there. Better than all of those greats. He was the best player in baseball for four straight seasons, according to War. That's that's pretty cool. He was also the captain of the A's uh, for their three straight World Series wins in 72, 73, and 74. Um, obviously, when your team's winning, you, you like the guy that's the captain. He was the glue guy on those teams. And... Uh, we, we've heard a lot of stories about those teams and how they would fight each other. And uh, he, he he was the glue guy. So I, I enjoy that aspect of him quite a bit. He he didn't like the owner, Charlie Finley, very much, uh, especially towards the end. Um, because they, I mean, not a lot of guys on the team did at that point. Uh, they felt like they were owed more because they were winning World Series and still not being paid a bunch. And that's completely fair. Uh, but he did lead the revolt against owner Charlie Finley uh, in 1973 when they were playing the Mets, I believe, um, when Mike Andrews made a couple of, uh, Mike Andrews is an infielder on the team, he made a couple of errors in game two, three of the World Series, I believe. And uh, he, and 
owner Charlie Finley is like, no, 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 we're going to get him medically declared unfit, declared medically unfit to play the rest of the World Series so that I can replace him on the roster because I don't like this guy anymore. He cost us this game. And uh, it was actually Sal Bando who was like, yeah, you know, let's know. No, we, we're, we're not playing without this guy. So we led the revolt and uh, got, got Mike Andrews to stick around on the team. That was pretty cool. Um, and that's the that's the kind of stuff that uh, that this guy here, real this guy here, really likes. Um, he was really good, and he seemed like a standout guy, stand-up guy. Not a standout guy. He was a standout and a stand-up. Um, he was great. And I kind of wish that I would have been able to see him more um, in, in my lifetime, but uh, I was born too late. Uh, so that stinks, but he was the he was the glue guy of the Oakland A's and and probably the best run in A's history. That might be stretching it, but he's definitely uh, he was definitely the centerpiece of the best run in Oakland A's history, and that is that is something pretty cool and pretty special. And Sal Bando uh, is definitely going to be missed by a lot in the A's fan base. Um, again, I don't have that personal connection to him, but he seemed. Just in reading about him, you, you could see why people love him so much. Um, he just seemed like a, a genuinely nice guy. He didn't like to be, you know, jerked around a little bit. Uh, he, he, he just wanted to be treated fairly and treated like what he was worth. And I definitely uh, can appreciate that. So, Sal Bando, uh, may you rest in peace. Uh, condolences to his family and friends. And uh, that is all that we got for you guys today. Uh, we gave you what's coming up for you later this week. I'm talking to Lockdown Angels tomorrow on Wednesday, and then Cole Irvin on Thursday, and then Matt Neverett from Las Vegas on Friday. So uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You guys check us out on Lockdown A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a by Jason B on Twitter, and uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get to a thousand subs by opening day. So uh, help us out over there and comment something ridiculous down there as well. But that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, A's fans. And I'll talk with you soon. Bye.